Well, the left-hand side is pretty full tonight. The right-hand side is almost full. You folks in the middle should have showered this morning. Amen. Thank you for being back tonight. Let's all grab our hymn books. Stand to your feet. Brother Ken's going to lead us your red book tonight as we stand and sing together. Page 150 tonight. Hymn number 150, the dearest friend I ever had. We'll do the first and last verse. Hymn number 150 tonight. Drifting out in sin, I had no peace, no joy within, but Jesus came and made me glad. He's the dearest friend I ever had. He saves my soul.
you, Brother Ken. Let's remain standing for prayer tonight. I put out the message today, but I want to explain to you who I was talking about because I know with our size now, some folks don't always know who I'm referring to. Uh, Barbara Slate sits here in the middle with her daughter, Kimberly Durham. Uh, Kimberly's got some of the physical disabilities. Uh, they usually come in right when we're getting ready to start. Her, uh, Miss Slate's mother passed away unexpectedly this week. Uh, she had an aneurysm and uh, died very quickly. They did the service very quickly, but she just asked for us to pray for the family, and I sure told them we would do that. And then uh, also praying for uh, the the uh, uh, folks in our church who are battling cancer. Sister Biggs is really needing prayer, and Pat Stanford as well, so remember them. Let's open up in prayer together tonight. Lord, we come to you this evening in the name of Jesus, thanking you for the chance, Lord, to be in your house again. Lord, we don't take it for granted. I say that all the time, and Lord, and we're so honored and thankful for the opportunity, Lord, just to assemble together. Lord, I pray your blessings upon these family members that we've mentioned, others in our congregation, Lord, who need a touch from heaven. But Lord, we pray that you'd open up now the windows of heaven. Uh, show yourself tonight as we learn and study of you. We'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Let's stay standing and have a song of fellowship. Brother Ken, you come on tonight. Amen. Let's all turn to hymn number 401. That's page 401, The Unclouded Day. We'll sing the first and last verse. I don't know if you know this song very well. It's an old classic. I hope you enjoy it as we sing it. The Unclouded Day, hymn 401. All four verses. Amen. Oh, they tell me of a home far beyond the skies. Oh, they tell me of a home far away. That not another key? <laughs> Was playing around with it earlier. Here we go. Oh, they tell me of a home far beyond the skies. Oh, they tell me of a home far away. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. that land far away where the tree of life in eternal blue sheds its fragrance through the unclouded day oh the land of cloudless day oh the land of an unclouded sky oh they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, they tell me of the king and its beauty there. And they tell me that mine eyes shall behold where he sits on the throne that is wider than snow in the city that is made of gold. Oh, the land of cloudless day. Oh, the Tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, 
they tell me that he smiles on his children there, and his smile drives their sorrows all away, and they tell me that no tears ever come again, in that lovely land of unclouded day, oh, the land of cloudless day, oh, the land of an unclouded sky. They tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Amen. Shake some hands.
me give you some quick announcements tonight. First of all, uh, uh, don't forget uh, on Friday night, to anybody that wants to go with us to the Burlington uh, Tent Revival Youth Night, uh, we'll leave from the church at 5.15, bring money for a fast food meal. We'll take a couple of vans down if necessary. Uh, right after services tonight, well, let me pause. I asked my wife, I said, um, these Rice Krispie treats, are they free to give away? She said, no, they belong to Pastor Ken. So... After service tonight, all the kids, if you'll come see me, i give you a free Rice Krispie treat. Amen. Anybody 12 and under can get a free Rice Krispie treat, and if there's one left over for Pastor Ken, I'll take it with me. All right, so on May the 28th, of course, baby shower for Victor and Christy. Keep that in mind, looking for help uh, with our golf tournament. And then uh, May is a very busy month, as you see down on the bulletin, our final Awana uh, Child Care Center graduation and Awana graduation. And then I want to call your attention, I haven't mentioned this, but I think you have figured it out. We've got two locations now for our collection things that we do with Grace Network uh, there at the f back and then also over here at the side. So if you will help us out with that, and of course the eyeglasses that we collect for the line club all of that's in your bulletin but i wanted to wanted to expand upon that let you know we have two sites now for that don't forget those of you going with us on our senior saints trip to withful got to sign up and pay by wednesday night uh make sure you see brother and sister up church about that if you would all right didn't have a ton of folks participating tonight but you come on evan he's going to sing for us let me get our junior ushers to come this evening and you mind the lord as you give with his tithes and your offerings and i sure love to hear this young man sing you the man buddy so you come on up here and kick us off and uh, i'm gonna ask uh, the blessings on the offering and then evan's gonna sing for us lord thank you for the opportunity to serve you tonight bless the offering bless evan as he sings may it be what you'd have it to be in christ's name amen sing it buddy Jesus comes again. 
fulfilling and signs of the times they're appearing everywhere I can almost hear the father changing heaven and you still sound good that's awesome fantastic i want to uh just before the word tonight i want to thank those uh, young folks and those adults as well who went out yesterday uh around to some of our senior saints and helped them with some odds and ends i sure appreciate it uh the lord will bless you for that faithfulness and i am honored and i appreciate you doing that all right james you come on tonight son and share a few thoughts with us this evening and i hope i know it'll be a blessing to you come on buddy timing you by this right here you got one minute okay i actually already said that when this goes out the carolina stuff has to come down so we'll just go ahead and flip that there we go uh before we dive in tonight uh would you please bow ties are great but it's terrible because you can't pin this on that and these things never stay straight uh if you would please please bow with me for a word of prayer our Father, we thank you for once again allowing us to come here to the time that you have called us to, the time to come to worship you, to think of your Son and the ways you have blessed us in him, and most importantly, because you have called us to it, the, the reading, the explaining, and the hearing of the Word of God, the Word you've given to us that shows us you, and your commands for our life, and the promise of salvation. 
Father, we pray that as we go into this hour, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be receptive and that we would be doers of the word and not hearers only. And Father, may we do this to bring glory to our Savior, and by doing so, bring glory to you. We'll thank you, and it is because of our Savior that we ask this. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6. Uh, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, chapter number 6. And we will begin tonight in, verses eight, in verse 18 and read down through verse 20. Again, Ephesians chapter number 18, excuse me, chapter number 6, verses 18 through 20. As you are turning, I want to say that as I was uh, getting prepared, uh, reading this text, this passage, and just trying to understand it, my mind went to how often we as Christians seem to gravitate towards talking about prayer. It just seems like that's one of those topics that, no matter how much it's talked about, always comes back up. It's always talked about. There's, you know, t-shirts about it if you're on social media. There's memes about it. There's even been a movie about it. We always somehow come back to prayer. But I, I fear so often that we talk about this topic so much that we just end up repeating what we've heard. And we never actually go into the Word to see what God has said about prayer. Some of us, myself included sometimes, we might even be shocked to realize that God has actually spoken to us about prayer. You know, we often say, you know, well, you're just talking to your daddy. That's true, but our daddy is still God. God is still holy, and he's actually said how he will be approached. In these passages, we actually see that God has actually given us specific commands about prayer. Most specifically here, in verses 18 through 20, we see that our specific commands about our method and our content in prayer is that we are to be always praying and we are to be constantly begging God for very specific things. That's what we're going to see tonight. That we are to always be praying and that we are to constantly be begging God for very specific things. Now, with this in mind, a few things about our text. The last time I was able to be here, we went through verses 13 through 17 on the armor of God. We saw that the reason that we are to take on that armor is because it enables us to stand against Satan's struggles, Satan's temptations. It enables us to stand our ground. This is the right next phrase. Paul is still on the same topic of spiritual warfare. And we'll see that. Now, as we go into our text, let's read now verses 18 through 20. The Bible says... Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak." There is so much in these three verses. I was talking to my grandpa before this. With the armor of God, I was able to take a, a lot of verses. But sometimes when you read Paul, you read three verses and you're just like, really? All that? Paul was your mind made of spaghetti? I mean, really? That's the way this text is, I feel. There's so much to unpack here that I pray with the help of the Lord that we will be able to unpack it. Again, we're looking at the fact that we are commanded in our method, the way we pray and what we pray for. We are commanded to be always praying, always praying. And that we are commanded to come to God with specific requests and beg for them. The first thing we see, number one, 
We are commanded to always pray. We are commanded to always pray. This, is literally, this literally comes from the first word of verse 18. The first word of verse 18, you can read it with me, is the word praying. The word praying. Now, I'm not going to deal with the word always yet. Because the word praying itself has much to teach us. You'll notice that this word praying, it's not the word pray. It's not the word will pray. It's not the phrase I did pray. It's praying. Now, you say, are you just going off on some English grammar thing? I'm, I'm not, trust me. What, I'm, what I want you to realize is that this word praying is a verb that's in the present tense. It's an action that's happening now. Let me give you some comparison. If I say, I prayed yesterday, that's something that happened in the past. If I say, I will pray tomorrow, that's future. If I say, I am praying, that's an action that's happening right now. It's present. It's ongoing. It's happening right now in the present moment in time. When Paul says praying, he's talking about something that is ongoing, always happening in the present time. This is especially true when we take into account the context. Remember, we just talked about the armor of God. So now Paul is saying, Christians, as you take up your armor to go into battle, yes, you have the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, but on top of all of that, you are to always, always, always be praying. Amen. Always. We are to always be praying. That's the, that's the force of that word praying, the I-N-G there. That's the force of it. But then Paul gives us three descriptions that further explain this thing praying. Number one, we are to always be praying at all times. We are to always be praying at all times. You'll notice that the second word in verse 18 says praying always. Praying always. Now, I have to be honest. When I was uh, in high school, and I can remember in chapel services, our Bible teacher, Tim Hicks, was also the youth pastor of the church. And I remember one time he taught, pro, excuse me, he preached on pray without ceasing, that verse in 1 Thessalonians. And when you're, you know, younger and then even in high school, and you just think to yourself, how do you pray without ceasing? I mean, do you just walk around and, oh, Lord, oh Lord Jesus, I pray to you today? Or, or do you just, like, you know, spend all your life on your knees in prayer and you barely get up to eat? And, I mean, do you go to a monastery? How do we do this? I, I think the key here, and I stole this from a great commentator named Matthew Henry, classic commentator. He said that we must realize that we have other duties to attend to as Christians, especially if, if we have jobs. When God tells us to always pray, He's not telling us to quit our job, quit taking care of our family, quit loving each other, go to our room, shut the door, and pray until we die. He's not telling us to do that. We have to take all of Scripture. God is still commanding us to do our duty, to love each other, to come to church, to go to work, to serve Him. But now He's also telling us that, yes, you have these things, but you must also make time for prayer. Amen. Always, at all times. Always here has the force of at all times. This means that we are to always be praying when things are rough, like when, if we get the pink slip at work or someone in the family gets that dreaded phone call from the doctor. But also, and it's harder to do, when that isn't happening. Right. Because life isn't always trouble. Sometimes life is actually calm yeah. and peaceful. Sometimes the family is getting along. Sometimes, sometimes the family's all getting along. There's no fighting. 
The church family is nice and growing together. God is blessing. The job is, is constant. There's no trouble there. And it's real easy to just, you know, sleep in that little bit extra time in the morning or, or go to bed a little bit early and not to make time for prayer. But Paul is telling us here, we are to always be praying at all times. When it's easy, when it's hard, when times are good, when times are bad, we are to always be praying. That's the first thing here. We are to always be praying at all times. But then number two, we are to always be praying with every kind of prayer. With every kind of prayer. Stay with me in verse 18. It says, Praying always, notice this, with all prayer and supplication. With all prayer and supplication. Now, we have to break these words apart. The word prayer there is just the generic word that's used in Scripture for prayer. It's just the word that's always used, and it can mean it can uh, hold under it all the things that can happen in prayer. We can have confession of sins. We can have giving God thanks. We can have praising God. We can have asking God. It's just the generic thing. But then when we come to the word supplication, that's something far different. The word supplication is a very specific kind of prayer, like an arrow point. You're pointing at something specific. Supplication is a begging, pleading request. A begging request. Now, the word all there at the beginning of that phrase is talking about all kinds. So we are to always be praying with every single kind of prayer. Have, you know, prayers that are joyful, prayers that are sad, prayers that are difficult, prayers that are easy. But most specifically, we are to pray with every kind of begging request. Begging request. This is something that's honestly hard for me to do. Because I, I, I'm the kind of person, and this is just the way the Lord has made me, I don't like to get all feely sometimes. I, I really don't. Carmen's shaking her head right now. I don't like to get all up in my emotions. But a begging request is something that touches us in our hearts. A request that is begging is something that we go to God, we are pleading for in agony, begging Him to do this for us, whatever it may be. That is the kind of prayer that is in the word supplication. Yes, we are to give God thanksgiving and praise and honor. That's in the word prayer, but Paul also specifically points out supplication, begging request. We are to come to God with every kind of prayer, every kind of prayer. But thirdly, we are to come to God in prayer. We are to always be praying in the Spirit. We are to always be praying in the Spirit. Now, this is in verse 18. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, this is one of those phrases that is honestly, if you read six different commentators, you'll get six different answers to what this phrase means, in the Spirit. Honestly, Paul doesn't really explain it here. The only thing that we, the only thing that we can really gather is from the word in. Because in is a word that shows us the means of something. Like if a painter paints a picture, the means by which he does it is the paintbrush. So we are commanded to pray by means of the Spirit, but that still doesn't help us. I mean, does Paul want us to start praying in tongues here? I mean, what is he talking about? I think the key to understanding this is we as Christians need to understand how the Holy Spirit normally operates, how He normally works. Turn with me, hold your place here, but go with me to the book of Galatians, chapter number 5, and verse 22. 
Galatians 5 and verse 22. This is a passage that we've all heard about. It's one of those things that, you know, you see it on t-shirts and house decorations. It's the verse, verses on the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. And Paul's talking about what the Spirit does in our life. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is what the Holy Spirit produces in the life of a believer. After they are born again, Dad talked about it this morning. After we're born again, we are given a new nature in Christ. We want the things of God. And the Holy Spirit produces in us love and joy and peace. But let me point this out to you. When the Holy Spirit produces this, we're not actually aware that it's the Holy Spirit. We're just doing it ourselves. Let, let, let me break it to you this way. If I go up to my dad and I'm loving my dad as a fellow Christian... I am not consciously thinking, oh, the Holy Spirit, he, He's now leading me to love. No, I'm, I'm just doing it. We just do it. We're not at, we don't actually realize that, hey, the Holy Spirit's doing this in me. But He is. That's what He's doing. When I, when I begin to contemplate and think about my position in Christ and how I am set free from the power of sin and I'm overcome with joy, my brain is not registering that the Holy Spirit's doing that. But He is doing that. There's another passage that I want us to see as well. Go with me to the book of Romans, chapter number 8. This is a very crucial text here. The book of Romans, chapter 8. Specifically, verses 15 and 16. Romans, chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. In Romans 8, Paul is talking about Christians now living a life in the Spirit of God. And in verse 15 of chapter 8, Paul begins to say this. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, let me show you how this relates to what we're talking about. We're talking about how the Spirit of God normally works. In this passage, we see that Paul says that we have received the spirit of adoption, and it is by this that we cry, Abba, Father. It is natural as Christians. We naturally call God our Father. That's just something that's just natural to us. We know that He has adopted us, and we just burst out in calling Him Father. But folks, that's something that comes from God's Spirit. But we don't actually realize that. It's just, we think it's natural to us. But the Spirit's done that to us. We also see in verse 16, it says that the Spirit itself, the Holy Spirit beareth witness with our spirit. That means testifies to our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, this is about how we can have certainty of our salvation. And we know that certainty comes from the Word of God. If I know in my head that I'm resting in Christ for my salvation, and I go to the Word of God, and it says that those who rest in Christ are saved, then I go, well, hey, that's me, I'm saved. But this says that the Holy Spirit is what gives me that assurance even though in my head I think it's me. I don't realize it. You say, how is this relating? Let me bring this down to us. When Paul says pray in the Spirit, he's talking about that, first we must understand that the desire to pray to God is not natural. That comes from the Spirit itself. The Spirit draws us to God in prayer. We don't really want to do that as an unsaved man. We don't want to trust God. We want to do things ourselves. But the Spirit of God, when He... When we are born again, He draws us to God in prayer. 
And we think it's natural to us now because now we have the desire to pray. We want to pray. But we must realize that that comes from God's Spirit. So when Paul says to pray in the Spirit, he's telling us that we must pray recognizing that that desire does not come from us. It comes from the Spirit of God. And we also must recognize that we have to squash some desires that are not from the Spirit. We must squash the desire to handle things ourselves. We must squash that pride that tells us, I don't need to pray. I got this. Things are fine. That is a a desire not from God's Spirit that will hinder us in prayer. That is praying in the Spirit. Praying with what the Spirit wants. That is what Paul is saying there in that passage. Now, these three things are all in verse 18 of Ephesians. And you can go back now to Ephesians 6. We won't be going anywhere else. From now, we'll be staying in Ephesians 6. And we're looking at the fact that our commands and prayers, that we are to always be praying, and we're commanded to pray with specific begging requests. We've seen that we are to always pray. But number two, I want to show you, and this is so crucial, that we have this command to always pray. But after Paul gives that to us, he then gives us another command to help us get started in that, to to sort of jumpstart us. So number two, I tell you, that to help us get started doing this, we are commanded to pray with constant and specific begging. Constant and specific begging. First, we're going to stay in verse 18. We're going to read it now. Go with me, please. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We have that. That's the command to always pray. Now, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. Now, let's break this apart. First of all, the word thereunto means with this in mind, or heading to this goal, or knowing that we're trying to get here. So now Paul is saying, hey, we know to pray always. So now that we know this, what's next? We know to do this, so how can we start doing this? Well, then Paul says, knowing to to do this, he says, watching with all perseverance and supplication. Now, the word watching is, we, we can sort of figure this out, it's to keep alert. To have your eyes open. To always be on guard. But we are to always be watching and on guard with all, every kind of perseverance and supplication. Well, perseverance here is sort of, you, you might could call it grit. It's staying with it. It's being constant. Not giving up, not flagging. Sticking to the stuff and sticking to prayer. So we are told here, that with the mind that we are to be praying always, with that in mind, here's what we do. We are to have persevering, and then we see supplication, the word of begging request. So we are to have a constant persevering begging for what? What are we to be begging for? There's two things here. Number one, we are to have constant specific begging to God for all saints. Constant, specific begging to God for all saints. You notice there, it's right there. With all perseverance and supplication for, this is a word that means purpose now, for what? The purpose of this is to pray for all the saints. For all the saints. Now in Paul's day, this would have been the churches in all the cities that he had found and the Christians all around the world. And for us, for us today, we are to now be praying for all saints. Now, 
This is not, you know, saints that are in heaven and we are to pray to those saints and they'll pray to God for us. The Bible is clear. Christians, all of us, we are saints. We are holy ones. It is the force of that word, holy ones. Those who are set aside in Christ to God. We are set aside in Christ to serve God. Much like those things in the tabernacle were set aside, sanctified to serve God. If we are in Christ, we are set aside for God, to serve Him, to be sanctified every day in the image of Christ. We are to pray for all of those who are set aside. Now, that does include Christians all over the world. China, Africa, Japan, yes. But we can start in our own congregation. We can start in our own congregation. Notice, this first command to pray with what? What should we beg God for? It's not to beg God for something for us. It's to beg God for something for others, for the saints. This means that that if I know that my brother in this church is having, you know, maybe marital problems, I go to God and I beg God to help that person. If I know that my church is struggling financially, what do I do? I go to God and beg for my church. If I know that my pastor is striving every day to serve God and to bring forth the Word of God Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, I go to God and beg for Him. I start in my congregation and I pray for the saints of God in my congregation. That's how we start this. Pray, begging God, pleading for the saints. But that is not all that is here. Yes, we are to have constant and specific begging for all the saints. But we are to also have constant and specific begging that we would all speak boldly. That we would all speak boldly. Notice now in verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, verse 19, and for me. Now the me there is Paul. So now Paul's saying, hey, Ephesians, yeah, pray for the saints, but pray for me too. To what end? That utterance, and that word is speech, that speech may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly. Now this is a startling thing for Paul to ask for. The apostle of God, the apostle to the Gentiles, the proven, the most brilliant mind on the face of the planet, the man with the equivalent of two PhDs by the time he was 25, the man that saw the risen Christ on the road to Emmaus, is not praying for boldness. He's, if he's praying for boldness, I know commentators disagree with this, but this just seems to be a logical thing. If he's praying for boldness, that means at the time he didn't have it. He's praying for boldness. He's praying that his mouth may be opened. When it says that I may open my mouth, that is a Hebrew phrase that Paul is taking. You'll read in the Old Testament that the prophets open their mouth is the is literal wording. That's a term that symbolizes something is about to happen and, and it's, it's reverential. It's important. So Paul is saying, hey, Ephesians, pray for me that I may speak boldly. What is Paul wanting to speak boldly about? I want to say that first, Paul wants to speak boldly the mystery of the gospel that he was imprisoned for. Let me show you this. Go with me now in verse 19. And for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I might open my mouth boldly, to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds. Now, what exactly does the phrase mystery of the gospel means? Understand, when Paul uses the word mystery, 
He's not talking about something that we might see at night. It's a murder mystery. A mystery in Paul's vocabulary is a truth of God that has always been true but wasn't quite as clear as it is now. He talks about this in the early parts of Ephesians, that one of the greatest mysteries was the Gentiles coming in to have salvation. That wasn't clear. When you read the Old Testament, God's focus was on those who were descended from Abraham. That's all it was. It was Abraham's children, Abraham's descendants. We are Abraham's seed. The rest of the nations are not with God. But now it's become clear that God's plan all along was to bring in Jews and Gentiles to the one family of Christ. That was a mystery. It was 